Now, I'd like to welcome on to the This Is Believe One podcast. I have Joe Toscano, who is the host of the Donut Bag podcast. How are you doing today? Doing great. Thanks for having me. Now, the reason why I uh, you invited you here is because you're from Pittsburgh, and you have, a, I guess, a different perspective on the way things in Pittsburgh go than, let's say, someone like myself or more of a a national person would. You are more, I guess, connected with the, I guess, intimate storylines and how things are actually happening compared to the national narrative. Yeah, I, I think it's important to um, follow, if you want to know what's going on with a team, follow the local people, not the national people. Um, you know, I hear, um, I've heard Odell Beckham get traded, like, I don't know, 30,000 times in the last uh, year. So, you know, it's it, you, the things I hear the national people say that they, they have a um, they, they particularly hate Ben Roethlisberger. I just heard a thing this week that uh, he's Ben Roethlisberger is a lazy person that never works out or something like that. So I don't know how the how I don't know how he's been able to be alive, let alone have a uh, being in the NFL for 15 years. I guess uh, he's he's just just lucky. I guess or good genes. Okay, listen. If I could go with that workout plan, doing yoga once, drinking some beer, and whatever the other one was, <laughs> and be a professional athlete, I would do it. But I mean, I've—that's more times than I've done yoga. So <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm—I'm uh, <laughs> I'm following the Ben Roethlisberger workout plan, but I'm—I'm I'm not an NFL quarterback. Yeah, uh, I think uh, I think I think a lot of people had uh, some very positive things about to say about his workout. Uh, there are also some negative things where it'd be like, are you kidding me? This is what he's actually doing to stay in shape during the off season. But general consensus is I think a lot of people would be on board. By the way, I, I don't know um, why he said that. I think obviously he does a little bit more than that. Um, Roethlisberger is not known as a, you know, workout warrior, like, like a Tom Brady or something like that. But obviously he does something to stay in shape. Uh, so yeah, I thought, I thought that was a, uh, little bit of a, of a, uh, unnecessary jab from, uh, Jake Glazer. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Uh, now the Steelers, Speaking of the quarterback position, they were a team that may have been rumored to take a quarterback in their draft, but they didn't. Instead, they opted for what is essentially a very Pittsburgh Steelers draft. They took a wide receiver, they took a linebacker, a running back, and, uh, you know, offensive, defensive lineman. And it's, at the end of the day, it's like, yep, that's a Steelers draft. Yeah, not real flashy, uh, yeah, they don't. They don't make big splashes. Actually, it's funny. They did make a big splash uh, last season when they traded their number one pick for uh, Minka Fitzpatrick, and that is something very not Steelers like. And that's why they didn't have a first round pick um, in this draft. Uh, they're very happy with the Minka trade, so it's fine. But yeah, they get uh, they got a wide receiver. It, it, it's kind of weird. The the um, I guess the mandate was we need to get a playmaker with that first uh, pick, that, that second uh, round pick. And a lot of people thought they would take a running back, um, you know, who, whatever one of the, like one of the top five running backs ever out there. And actually, J.K. Dobbins was right there for the taking. But for some reason, they chose uh, Claypool. And, you know, it, it's funny when we do analysis and say, oh, this was a reach or something like that, because we have no idea what value – 
the teams actually put on these players and especially this year because of the crazy circumstances. So, you know, maybe, you know, people thought Claypool should have gone a little bit later, but then again, the Steelers had the second round pick, which was 49th overall. And then the next time they picked was round, like at the end of round three, the hundred second pick. So most likely Claypool would not have been available um, at one Oh two. So this is why they took him at 49 and they must really like him. And I mean, there's, there's a lot to like the guy is automatically the tallest and fastest wide receiver of the group. Um, so even if they have him be the deep threat and just run, you know, down the field every single play and, and try to stretch the field, uh, you know, then then he'll serve his purpose. He's basically there at least this year, I think, just to stretch the field. Yeah, Claypool seems like it could be a, a solid addition to that Steelers offense. I mean, it seems like they were productive as well as they could have been last year, uh, considering some of the circumstances being without Ben Roethlisberger. But it seems like they were just missing just that extra receiver opposite of Juju Smith-Schuster. Well, it, it's hard to evaluate the wide receivers last year because the quarterback play was so bad. I mean, after Ben Roethlisberger got hurt, they basically they had Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges. <laughs> And it was Duck was a cute story. I mean, it's amazing that he got the play at all. He basically forced his way on the team because he was basically brought in as like an just a camp arm. And he played so well that he, you know, forced them to um he basically forced his way on the onto that number three uh quarterback position, which was awesome. But and it, you know, and he won some games, which is an absolute miracle. But he is just not an NFL quarterback. And Mason Rudolph, oh boy, was that a uh, that was a interesting, interesting, interestingly bad season for him. Uh, a lot of crazy things happened. Of course, the thing happened with uh, Miles Garrett and all that stuff. But uh, he got knocked out by Earl Thomas in the uh, Ravens game, and I think that hurt him a lot. So he dealt with a lot of injuries. He dealt with being a basically a rookie it was a second year but it was, it was his first time seeing um action and at times he was just horrific so it's hard to evaluate the wide receivers last year also juju had a really bad year but then he was dealing with a lot of injuries himself so uh you know it was, it was hard to, to evaluate the offense at all last year because of the horrible quarterback play yeah um as as you mentioned with uh, the whole Mason Rudolph experience, there was that one that one night uh, that happened with Miles Garrett. Oh, uh, I, I will say um, there's a local Cleveland t-shirt company that made a shirt that said Pittsburgh started it. I never liked that shirt to begin with. I thought it was dumb. Uh, I like pretty much everything else they produce, but I thought that shirt was stupid because uh, there's no reason to do it. Wore it. Your coach wore it to a premiere of the Mr. Rogers movie. Boy, did that really tick off people in Pittsburgh. We're still talking about that. I'm sure you are. And it's just, there were so many people in Cleveland that were like, yeah, our our coach gets us. I'm like, this guy is a jackass. What are you doing? All he did was, was motivate I'm sure, you know, there's all that that whole thing of, you know, does trash talk actually do anything to make a team or a player play better? We, we don't know about that, but it definitely ticked off all of Pittsburgh, and I'm sure it ticked off the Steelers, too. So he him doing that really did not help uh, his team or his cause much. No, I mean, it, you know, I'm, I'm one to believe that, you know, for the most part, 
in most circumstances. Motivating things is mostly artificial. It's not real. It's made up. But in this particular case, it was completely different. Yeah. Yeah, it was just, <laughs> boy, literally last week I just heard somebody bring that up again. We were still talking about it. People wear the shirt here. There's people that have made it like some trophy. And I'm like, no, just get rid of it. it it's my least favorite shirt that that particular company made. And I've I've hated it when they came it out. When they came out with it, I hate it when, they, when it still exists now. It's just... What? Well, that whole thing, um, you know, you know, I mentioned the, the Earl Thomas thing where he got just knocked out, mm-hmm. and then you know the, the 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 Miles Garrett thing where he got hit over the head with a helmet. But then I think just the the whole aftermath of that of you know Miles Garrett saying there was a racial slur, I think that really affected him. Also, uh, he had basically the whole country calling him a racist, and you know, here's a guy that is trying to learn to be a quarterback. Um, for the first time in his career in the NFL and you know first of all he has to deal with injuries he was probably still dealing with you know effects of of concussions but now he has to deal with the the whole country thinking he's a racist I think that that also had a lot to you know hurt his his psyche and hurt his confidence yeah and it didn't help that even without that, he was not necessarily playing up to the a level of right. would be acceptable of an NFL quarterback, which is why exactly. we saw you know some play from Duck Hodges, and from I guess some perspectives, it makes it kind of curious why the the Steelers didn't at least take a quarterback in the draft. That is well. the The big question is why didn't they take a quarterback like Jalen Hurts or or you know somebody else, and why did they not at least take one of the veterans? Why didn't they try to get Andy Dalton or Jameis Winston or Cam Newton or whoever? And that is that's the thing. And the answer is for whatever reason, the Steelers are saying Mason is our guy. We, we, they, they believe they basically are saying we don't need Mace. We don't need a backup because Ben is going to be back. He's going to play well. And, you know, hopefully they don't even need a backup, but they think that if they do need a backup, that Mason will play better and, uh, you know, do the job. Now, Ben throughout his career, he rarely plays 16 games in a season. He always misses at least a game or two uh, for whatever, you know, injuries. And, you know, they're going to need a backup at some point. But, you know, basically, that's the thing. The Steelers think that Mason can handle the job. Uh, obviously, the national people don't. Um, a lot of Steeler fans don't. But, that's what the Steelers think. Um, I think part of it is also money related. They're paying a ridiculous amount to Ben. Um, you know, when Ben signed his last contract, he did not do them any favors. There was no hometown discount there. I believe it's there. It's about 30 million a year or something like that. So, uh, and then they had to restructure that to, to free up some space. So it, it his, his contract takes up a large chunk of the cap and maybe they figured, well, we've spent enough on the quarterback position. We're not, we're not going out and getting anybody else, even though they looks like they could have got Winston or Cam Newton or Dalton on the cheap, but still, um, that's what they think. Uh, you know, whether they're right or not, we'll see, but that's their philosophy. I mean, just the way I see it, 
uh, an option that they could should uh, consider is Cam Newton. I know Cam Newton probably won't be the cheapest available quarterback. He's probably going to cause some controversy just because it's going to be Ben Roethlisberger versus Cam Newton, and that's just what it would be. But the reality is, and you said it, Cam Newton, or not Cam Newton, Ben Roethlisberger, he gets hurt a lot. And there's going to be a couple games where they're going to need the backup guy to come in. And I think a perfect situation for one, Cam Newton to shake off some of the negative reputation that he's gained and put get put in a situation where he just has to perform for two to three games, that would be perfect for both sides. Here's what I don't get. Um, before they drafted Mason Rudolph, the Steelers have always had a veteran backup. They had Charlie Batch for a long time. Byron Leftwich did a good job. Uh, they've had a veteran backup behind Ben at at almost all times. And then for some reason, a couple years ago, they decided we're going to go with this rookie and then we're going to go with, um, you know, even recently they had uh, Landry Jones and Landry Jones was, was he's, he, he's a perfect NFL backup. You know, you don't want him to play too much, but if he has to play a little bit, he, he could at least somewhat do the job. But for whatever reason, last year, they decided to go with two rookies and then, uh, you know, and this year, same thing. They they they've just decided not to do a veteran backup. I I I I don't get it. Um, I wish they would, but that's what they decided. It's it's just an interesting uh, dynamic that they have going on there, and I know that maybe Cam doesn't necessarily want to go to Pittsburgh. It just it seems like it would just make it makes too much sense for them for them not to do it. Honestly, I agree. You know, he would be able to. He if Cam, I think Cam Newton at this point in his career would I think easily morph into what Ben Roethlisberger is or has been uh, over the past couple years, where Roethlisberger does have a better arm than Cam Newton does. You know, accuracy wise, I, I think Cam Newton could become a little bit of a lesser version than that. And if they need to, let's say, find a succession plan, I don't think that would necessarily be the worst idea. Exactly. You know, we're 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 wondering what what they're doing about the quarterback position in 2020. And really, the question that hasn't been answered yet is what are they going to do when Ben retires? And I don't know what I mean, if they think it's going to be Mason, hey, God bless him. But, um, you know, someone like Cam Newton would be a nice a person to succeed Ben. Uh, I mean, we're talking about a former league MVP here or, um, you know, and, you know, maybe he, he just hasn't played well the past couple of years because of injuries. And I think that's the reason why maybe he hasn't been signed yet is because people don't know what his injury status is, but I wouldn't mind seeing um, him be, be the successor to Ben. I mean, you know, if, if you have the Steelers have a team that, is basically set up to, uh, you know, be a, at least a playoff contender. Their defense is very good. Their offense is good. They just need a quarterback. So, you know, if you just plug in another, you know, pretty good quarterback there, you're fine. And especially since the defense has gotten a lot better, you don't need a quarterback to single-handedly win the game. You just need them to be, you know, good enough. Just to be, the offense to be pretty good and let the defense um, win games. You know, basically what, you know, the Steelers do when they're being the most successful is let the defense yeah. win games for them. And that's exactly I think that's a, a definitely a, a good way for them to uh, 
to go moving forward is try to adopt more of that classic Steeler philosophy where they don't necessarily need the dynamic offense. I mean, the dynamic offense would be great, but not everyone could be Kansas City. Exactly. Um, they With the Minka trade there, and they also um, drafted Devin Bush. That was a huge um, help, an inside linebacker. They also got Steven Nelson, the cornerback, uh, in free agency last year, and he was awesome. So the, the, all the pieces are in place for a very good defense. So they just need... They have the, the defense there. They just need an offense to be good enough. And, hey, the, you know, nothing wrong with winning with defense. I don't know if it's going to uh, work against the Chiefs, but I mean, they'll, they'll still win some games. Yeah, I guess, you know, in that scenario, hopefully uh, someone else knocks off the Chiefs if if the postseason yes. becomes, uh, you know, where the Steelers end up. Maybe maybe someone like Baltimore knocks off the Chiefs or something. Right. Uh, how concerned are you about Baltimore? Um, wow. It's just, I have a lot of respect for, I mean, I've, I've doubted Lamar Jackson from <laughs> for two years now and I'm looking dumb every time I do it. It's, uh, you know, he Same. is, he's, he's amazing. He had an amazing year last year. Um, you know, and then, and then they, you know, I, I hate that the Ravens always do well on the draft and they, they look like they had a really good draft last year. I mean, this year. So I'm just it, it, it kills me that they're just so good at what they do. But uh, we'll see. I mean, you know, so far there's, you know, Lamar Jackson looks awesome. Um, you know, he has no. He has no. He doesn't have much weaknesses. I don't. I don't think he's the greatest passer, but he's still very good. Um, so, um, I mean, the Ravens are the team to beat, and we'll see what happens. It'll be. Um, I mean, this, the Steelers didn't play them that horribly um, uh, that first time in Pittsburgh. I think the the main reason the Ravens won was because they knocked out. Um, our quarterback and then we were in disarray after that so and then um, the second time it was it was the end of the season and then the the Ravens just destroyed them so I think the Steelers can hang with the Ravens I don't know if they could beat them but I I think it would be close yeah looking between the those those two teams the Steelers and the Ravens they always have at worst solid drafts if not good drafts there's not very often that you lose like Man, that draft the Steelers had was just pitiful. It's always they always get at least it seems like a couple starters that are there for, and that are there for a while and they're productive. Yeah, and, you know yeah. the Ravens are the same way. I wish I yep. wish my team would do that, but <laughs> I it not doesn't quite work that way in Cleveland, unfortunately. And uh, I, I will say a lot of people are that have knocked the Steelers uh, draft this year because they view it as underwhelming or whatever it is. They're not mentioning, or at least I haven't seen them mention, is the, the trade for Mika Fitzpatrick. I mean, I would do that trade every single day. You know, Mika Fitzpatrick transformed that defense. Exactly. Um, the, the pick that Miami ended up getting for uh, Minka was the 18th overall pick in the first round. There was nobody at 18 that would have been as good as Minka. So, um, yeah, Steelers definitely won that trade. Yeah, at the time, I was sort of questioning the trade from a short-term perspective, but from a long-term perspective, I I got it. Because 
you know, I, I was like short term, not sure if this makes a lot of sense, but Pittsburgh seemed to at least hang in there throughout the year. Um, then I'm like, long term, this is a great move. And that's, we're at the long term now. We're no longer in the short term. We're at the long term. And it's it's a great building block for the, the Steelers' defense to have a playmaker like Fitzpatrick. And he was someone I wanted the Browns to go pursue when he became on the, on the market. But uh, alas, he's in Pittsburgh. Yeah, he... Um... It was so weird that the Steelers would do something like that. I think the last time they traded their first round pick was like 50 years ago or something like that. Maybe 1967. I mean, they just don't do that. But I think they saw an opportunity that they just could not pass up. I think Minka was a top 10 pick when he was drafted or something like that. And um, immediately he came in and made an impact. I, I. I estimate he single-handedly won them at least one or two games uh, last season. But, yeah, so it was a bit of a curious move, but I think they just viewed it as an opportunity they could not pass up. Yep, solid defense you got there in Pittsburgh. Got to ask you, as someone from Pittsburgh, as someone who's, I guess, saw the Cleveland Browns crash and burn in epic fashion last year, uh what is your perspective on what where they're at at this moment in time? I think they're just they're they're still trying to find their way. Um, you know, Baker is he's he's almost there, and but that you know that connection with OBJ just was did not go well last season for whatever reason, and uh, you know you're getting the talent there. And I, I think the major weakness that the Browns had last season was that they didn't have a good enough offensive line. And hopefully, hopefully it's, it's better this year. Um, also losing Garrett really, really hurt them last year. Uh, so, uh, I mean, they probably would have made the playoffs if, if Mason Garrett didn't do that, that helmet thing. So, um, you know, they're, they're on their way. Uh, you know, as a Steeler fan, I'm a little scared of them uh, because I think they're they have the potential to be explosive. Um, you have there are some weapons there, and if they could just put it together, that is going to be one scary team. So, did you take any uh, pleasure in watching them crash and burn last year after all the preseason hype? Oh God, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was so sick and tired of, and this is probably mostly the national people, but I think I'll also, I don't know if I don't know if any of the, um, I don't know if the you know the Cleveland players themselves said anything, but just the the whole national media, you know, basically handing them the Super Bowl, you know, for they, they basically you know wanted to cancel the season and just say, well, give the Super Bowl to the Browns. Obviously, they're they're going to win everything. I mean, it was just it was just so sick and tired of hearing that. So yes, it was very, uh, very great to see the, <laughs> the Browns crash like that. Yeah, uh, it, it really seemed like they were set up for that to happen. Just the way that everything was just building up momentum wise, and um, you know, looking forward. It seems like their expectations have been uh, tempered just a little bit, uh, if not a lot. And it seems like there's some more realistic uh, perception of what they're going to achieve this year. Um, uh, but again, it all falls on one person. He wears number six. Well, that's the thing. It's like, you know, you mentioned that um, the 
you know, the Steelers and Ravens have solid drafts. It's because, you know, this, I think the main thing you need is your franchise quarterback. When you have that, everything else kind of falls into place. So, you know, the Steelers are able to, you know, not swing for a home run with every draft pick. Like I think the, the Browns have tried to do because mm-hmm. they, they have their main guys and they just needed some complimentary pieces. Well, until you get that main guy, until you get that franchise quarterback, you're always going to be trying to get him. And hopefully they got on with Baker. Um, you know, hopefully, you know, this is his curve so far has been up and down. Um, but if he's the guy and if he is able to put it together, then everything starts to fall into place. But until that happens, uh, you know, and, and, you know, it's, it's 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 some of the things that he's done is, you know, you know, you know, getting into fights with people and stuff. And I mean, you can't blame him. There's there's people that take shots at him. I mean, there's who's that guy that just, you know, constantly wants to uh, wants to attack him. Is it is it uh, Colin uh, Coward? Yeah, exactly. That's like, um, you know, you know, if somebody's constantly attacking you, you want to constantly defend yourself. So you can't blame him. But still. Um, he needs to put it together, and if he is able to put it together, then you got something, and then you could just build little pieces from there instead of um, always swinging for the fences. And that's that's very very true. And you know when it when it comes to Baker Mayfield and his future, it's it seems like there's we've seen we've seen bad performances, we've seen good performances, and unfortunately the bad performances come against really good teams, and the good performances come against pretty much. Bad teams. So, I mean, that's as expected for a young quarterback, but you expect that at some point to level out, and I'm not necessarily sure that it will, because he's going to be on, if you include interim, he's going to be on his fourth head coach and his fourth offensive coordinator this year. That's the thing. There is no stability there. I mean, the Steelers are known for their stability. Even, uh, you know, I I saw a joke of a thing, an article that said, Mike Tomlin's on the hot seat this year. No, he's not. The Steelers <laughs> don't fire their 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 uh, their um, coaches. They don't do that. But you know, the, the Browns have a new coach every year, and it just does not help with continuity and doesn't help with um, you know your the development of your players, especially your quarterback. You need some kind of stability there. Yeah, and that's that's something that they've been searching for. For a long time, even before Jimmy Haslam bought the team, they were searching for stability. They were searching for that ever-elusive franchise quarterback. And it just seemed to have gotten worse since Haslam has bought the team because his, I guess, uh, patience level is zero or near zero. Uh, people well, just seem to come in and out so quickly. Well, the, the thing is, I believe he's from Pittsburgh or he he was used to be an owner in Pittsburgh or something like that. It's like, didn't you learn anything, dude? Didn't you know? You, 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 I mean, and yes, it's it's easy to say, oh, well, you just stick with one coach. And it was like, well, what if the coach sucks? Then you have a problem. So, I mean, you know, you know, finding the right coach is, is the right thing. But even in even, you know, I think people outside of Cleveland were saying it's like, uh, who was the guy that was on hard knocks? So the, the, the past couple coaches, we've said, like, what are you guys doing? I mean, if anything, um, Greg Williams should have been the coach. He seemed to be the one that actually got them some wins. Yeah, I mean, there's the reputation in Cleveland for the Browns to just keep firing coaches over and over again. So when it came time to when they should have fired Hugh Jackson after they went 0-16, 
it seemed like he overcorrected and decided not to fire the coach because he wanted to try and shed that label of instability and not, you know, being the team that just fires coaches after two years. But that would have been the time to fire the guy. But they brought him back for year three and he was fired midseason. Now, Greg Williams is an interesting character. He's someone that I think he rallied the team in the perfect time, I just don't think he'll ever be a head coach again because of the whole Bounty Gate thing down in New Orleans. Yeah. The, yeah. And the only problem is when they hired Freddie Kitchens is that they hired someone who is on the same, I guess, level as bad as Hugh Jackson. I mean, people want to say that Freddie Kitchens was worse than Hugh Jackson, but I'm like, uh, at least he won some football games. Well, the problem with Freddie was that he just didn't have the experience. And when you have a team like, you know, we're, we're joking that they, you know, the 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 experts handed the, the Broncos Super Bowl. When you have a team that has a lot of, you know, big pieces on it, you want someone that maybe has been there that can manage that knows how to manage those things. And we had no idea whether. Freddie Kitchens being being a, a good head coach has nothing to do with being a good coordinator. So it, I I think maybe somebody with a little bit more experience would have been better there. And now they hired Kevin Stefanski, no experience as a head coach. Right. Uh, Oops. <laughs> he, he had he had uh, some incidents with Stefan Diggs in Minnesota. Um, I have I've I've said is this a, a sign of things to come with Odell and Cleveland because. There was those couple of incidents where Diggs was not happy on the sideline with the the play calling. I don't know if it's going to happen, but it, I thought of like that is like a sign of things to come, possibly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I honestly I don't know what the situation is with Odell. All I hear is you know from from outside is he's being traded every other day. So or is he he's unhappy or he can't wait to go or he's he's you know it's it's a miracle he's still there with you know with all the times he's been traded. But um, so I, I don't know what's going on with that. But it's 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 also one of those things where um, when there's unhappy people or unhappy situations. Winning fixes everything. Um, the Steelers had a situation um, a year or two ago back when they still had Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell. Both of those guys were uh, borderline either crazy or unhappy, but they kind of kept quiet because the team kept winning. Mm-hmm. And that was, I think, Tomlin's philosophy is, you know, it's like, get, guys, I know you're mad. I know, you know, whatever whatever problems you have, let's just all put them aside and let's just try to win. And if you, and if you can win, then everything's fine. But if you can't, then it just becomes major problems. And you brought up the Antonio Brown uh, situation, kind of. Uh, and the fact that the way things have unfolded with his non-stay stay in Oakland and then his one game in New England and how he's had various issues off the field since it makes you really uh wonder how I don't want to say bad but how crazy things were with Antonio Brown in Pittsburgh but Mike Tomlin and the Steelers organization was just able to handle it and keep it under control exactly we don't know how bad it was we've heard stories we've heard things and basically Tomlin's philosophy was, Hey, let him go. Let him do his thing. As long as we win. 
and you know I think they had to put up with a lot of stuff and you know when that whole Antonio Brown thing first happened where he um, got you know away from Pittsburgh and he wanted to get out and basically went crazy everybody blamed Tomlin for being such a horrible coach for allowing that quote unquote circus to happen and Ben Roethlisberger for being a meanie for saying something on a radio show um I have yet to see one quote unquote expert say, you know what? Uh, maybe it wasn't Ben's or Tomlin's fault. Maybe Antonio Brown was the crazy one here, which is exactly what the situation was. Um, Tomlin deserves uh, tons of credit for getting all the all the production he did out of Antonio Brown. You know, Antonio Brown had amazing years with the Steelers and look what he's done since. So, um you know, he should get praise, not not blame. Yeah, Tomlin and the whole Steelers organization has done a great job dealing with characters uh, and people with big personalities like that. Uh, Le'Veon Bell, um, what are your feelings towards him uh, And now that he's no longer in the organization, he's now a member of the Jets? I don't hate him as much as Antonio Brown. Um, I think they're completely different situations. Le'Veon Bell just wanted to get paid. He just wanted his money. And he he had this he had this belief that he was going to change the way the running back position was paid, which was not very smart, but still he wanted he wanted more money for running backs. He thought that they they did not get paid enough. Uh, you know the deal he ended up taking with the Jets was actually a lesser deal than, than what the Steelers uh, offered him at one point. So um, it didn't end up not working for him. He ended up getting his money. So hey, good for him. Um, you know I hope he's not one of those people that just cares about hey now that I got my money I'm not gonna you know work as hard anymore. I don't know. I mean the Jets are pretty bad so who knows. But um, Really, no, uh, no ill feelings uh, toward toward Le'Veon Bell. Antonio Brown, um, uh, you know, he could rot in hell, but <laughs> Le'Veon Bell, he's okay. Uh, I, I love how you just put that little exclamation point on your feelings towards Antonio <laughs> Brown. There, I'm sure you're not the only person in Pittsburgh that feels that way, um, only because of the way things unfolded, um, but. You know, they no longer have to deal with him. The NFL really doesn't have to deal with him right now since he's indefinitely suspended. And I don't know if he'll ever play again. So that's a whole different thing. It's a sad situation because he is one of the, um, you know, he was on his way to a Hall of Fame career. He, you know, put up some of the best numbers of any wide receiver any ever for, I think, like a six-year stretch or something like that. Um, just so much talent, but just his personal life is such a mess and he really needs to get that under control. Um, I have a feeling he will end up somewhere, you know, uh, a lot of times teams overlook all the character issues, uh, and you know, just, uh, they just look at the talent. So he'll probably end up somewhere, but, uh, yeah, his life is a mess right now. Well, too bad. He already burned the bridge with the one team that usually does that. And that's the Raiders. Um, right. Right. <laughs> You already burned that bridge. Uh, you know, the the other reason I, I brought you on today, in addition to speaking about the Steelers, talking about uh, the Pittsburgh Pirates and how they're usually an interesting topic of discussion, and it's not normally because they're a good baseball team. Yeah, um, 
it's it's so frustrating. Um, basically, the thing with the Pirates is they just don't spend any money. And yes, you could win in baseball if you don't spend money. Tampa Bay does it every year. Um, you know, Kansas City did that for a while years ago. Yes, if everything goes right, you know, you could have a very small budget and not compete or not or, or and and do well. But I mean, you you have to have a really good organization, a really good general manager, and everything has to go right for that ha- for that to happen. And I mean, it did for um, 2003 to 2015. The the Pirates were able to make the playoffs, and they were very good, but. You know, they weren't able to sustain that. Um, they're they have an owner that just does not spend money. Um, it is a point of um, a lot of anger in in Pittsburgh. Uh, there are many people that just that just refuse to go to games or refuse to give the pirates any money because they're so angry about the owner. Uh, it's a sad situation because, you know, I've been a baseball fan all my life um, here in Pittsburgh, and it's just sad to see, um, you know, I mean, it's, it, I call it, I call it pirate fan civil war. Every um, every beginning of season, it, it flares up again. People get people say, oh, I'm never going to support the team because of that stupid owner. And you know, those people say, well, I love the team no matter what. And it just turns into a war um, amongst fans. And it's just it's a sad situation. I, I hate that you know in the NFL you can't do something like that there's a salary cap there's revenue sharing there's you know you you can't have a team just you know have no no you know very tiny um um, salary cap or a very very tiny payroll um, but in in baseball you can um, I think it's ridiculous I think it's it's ridiculous for small markets to have to compete with the LAs and the Yankees and the and the Red Sox and the Cubs and stuff like that it's it's ridiculous but it is what it is but yeah in Pittsburgh um, it's just not going well and then I mean they never rebuild so they have some pieces. They did get a new um, general manager and a new uh, manager. So we'll see if that helps. Um, they do have some good players, but I wouldn't expect much from them. Maybe maybe 70 to 75 wins if they're lucky. If it was a you know a full slate of games, yes. I would probably say that 70, 75 uh, win mark would probably be a good spot for the pirates uh, something interesting you brought up though is this uh this pirate fan civil war where you have one group of fans just saying that they won't go to games and others that are diehards this is a very similar uh dynamic in cleveland because of something really yes because of a very similar problem and it's the the owners uh not spending money or being you know quote-unquote cheap if it, you were to go on to twitter at any given moment in time and just search hashtag Dolan's cheap. It's just nothing but people complaining about the Indians not spending money. Oh, that's ridiculous. I would love, I mean, the, to <laughs> me, the, the Indians are a small market success story. Um, you know, they're, you know, they're, they're able to get good players. They're able to compete. And yeah, I mean, they're, you know, you can't com- you know, don't have the same payroll as the Dodgers or something like that, but then their payroll is not bad. I mean, you should, Hey, Hey, anybody complaining that Dolan's cheap, come to Pittsburgh. I'll show you a cheap owner. <laughs> and that's what I say. I mean, I'm, I'm like, you would, uh, you, the Indians, I guess, model is the envy of some other teams, you know, Pittsburgh being one of them. And, and one of the, the, you know, big problems is attendance and people like to complain about attendance, 
for the Indians because it's always terrible. I don't know how the attendance for the Pirates is. I, I know a lot of people rave about how nice their stadium is. Um, but the Indians are usually uh, bottom six in attendance in the American League. I don't know where the Pirates stand attendance-wise. Yeah, it's similar. Um, when when they were really good, uh, the attendance was up. And that's the... the you know, the maddening thing that the owner doesn't understand. It's like, well, if you have a good team, then the people will come. But if, you know, if, you know, part of the reason why people won't come to the games is because they're just mad that the, that the, the, the owner is too cheap. Um, I, that, that's a shame that people won't come to, to uh, Indians games because um, I've been to uh, Indian games a few times. This it's a, it's a great experience. Um, it's just you know downtown Cleveland is 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 a um it is fun. Um, it's you know there's a lot to do. Um, I just had a great time going down there, and I always love going to Indians games. So that's a shame that people don't go. Yeah, uh, I'm, I pulled up the the Pirates' attendance history, and the last time they finished in the top half of attendance was 1990. You're right. So right. the last yeah. time and that's and that was the start of their uh, when they had those great teams with uh, Barry Bonds and Bobby Bonilla and Andy Van Slyke. And they were winning uh, the Eastern Division every year that, you know, 90, 91 and 92. And then, uh, you know, nothing ever came of it. They never I mean, there, there was that heartbreaking loss to the Braves in the uh, National League Championship Series. But, yeah, the, the, the Pirates were really good. They, they had a um, great team back then. So and they were in Three River Stadium, which I think the, the um, capacity was like 48,000 or 50,000 or something like that. So you could really pack them in there. Yeah, and looking at Cleveland's attendance, uh, the last time they were in the top half was 2002. And that was right when they you know, went into that little mini rebuild until they had that resurgence in the mid-2000s. But their their attendance is bad. And you know, for a team like Cleveland, I'm sure Pittsburgh is in a similar situation. They're heavily dependent on people actually going to games and spending money. And if people don't, it has an impact on uh, the ability to keep players or even sign players. It's just funny how relative things are. I mean, you know, if you gave any Pirates fan the uh, the Indians owner or payroll, they would be doing cartwheels in the streets and you know it's just it's just funny how how fickle uh, fans are yeah uh i'm going to just put that in quotes when i post this just so people understand the difference uh when it comes oh to, my God. to to indians and uh the way they spend versus other teams and i don't know if this particular dynamic finds its way into uh pittsburgh twitter but there's this strange um kind of intersection where People are Browns fans and people are Indians fans, but they're not fans of both. And so when they start fighting with each other, um, it's kind of humorous because, you know, the Browns fire a coach and they hire somebody new. But, you know, so people are making fun of the Browns who are not Browns fans, who are Indians fans for doing that. But on the flip side, the Browns fans are attacking the Indians because people don't go to games and the owner doesn't spend money and uh, all their star players leave. We get that too. It is it is amusing. It's like, why can't you be both? We get it with the uh, with the Penguins and the, and the Steelers. It's like you can't you can't be fans of both. Why? 
they they almost they don't they don't really play at the same time. I mean, they sort of do, but still, you can be fans of both. You can like both. There's really no reason. But yeah, we get a lot of that. Um, I mean, the, the people that defend the pirates. Um, you know, it's, it's just funny. They think that the general manager can do no wrong and every prospect will end up being a hall of famer and every trade they make is brilliant and stuff like that. It's just, it's just funny to see. Yeah. It's just funny to see what the, the mindset of some fans. Yeah. And you know, it's not like the, the pirates have a, a great team this year. Uh, there's one player I like that the Pirates have, and that's Josh Bell. I think Josh Bell is a very entertaining player. Um, very, uh, it's very intriguing. He had one of the best first halves of maybe anybody in history last year. I mean, God, he was he was competing for like the I, I believe for the for the home run um crown of if things were going there and he just collapsed in the second half i mean the entire team collapsed in the second half but um yeah what josh bell did in the first half was amazing and i mean he was he was struggling in in uh, previous years so it was nice to see him put it together we'll see if he could put it together for an entire season um you know he's still pretty young so we'll see but then you know pretty soon year or two they're going to have to trade him because God forbid you would actually have to pay him. <laughs> and, you know, that's just, I, I, I feel, I want to say I feel your pain because my team spends money compared to yours. But, um, you know, I'm in a similar situation when it comes to Francisco Lindor, where his departure is inevitable and it's coming soon. Right. You're going to trade him for prospects and you hope those prospects are good. But it's just sad that, you know, like, you know, with the, with the Steelers, Ben Roethlisberger can play his entire career. You know, Aaron Rodgers can play, you know, all those all those years with the, with the Packers. You know, you, you can have your star in the NFL be there for a long time. But unless you're the Dodgers or Cubs or Yankees or, or Red Sox, you're probably going to have to get rid of your star and trade him for prospects. Yeah. And unfortunately, it seems like that's going to happen. Uh, one uh, thing I do want to mention is that uh, I did have a plan to come to Pittsburgh in April when before the baseball season was canceled to come see uh, PNC Park. Uh, I was excited, but then it didn't happen. So, uh, have you ever been here before? Never been there before. Um, oh my God, you gotta come. Um, PNC Park is so pretty. It is. Uh, it is easily in the top five of of uh, baseball parks in. Uh, baseball, um, it's right up there with San Francisco and and you know Wrigley and stuff like that. It is uh, it's so pretty. You, you especially on, depending on where you sit, you just see the entire city um, uh, in in front of you. It is gorgeous. It is uh, it's really well done, and that's <laughs> that's another reason people are mad. It's like some people just come to have a nice time regardless of how the team is doing because it's just such a nice experience going to PNC Park. Yeah, that that was on my on my checklist. That was one of three stadiums I wanted to go to because I want to go to all the baseball stadiums. I've only been to a couple, but PNC was on my list. Great American Ballpark down in Cincinnati was on my list, and Wrigley was on my wrist list for this year. Unfortunately, that, I don't know if any of them are going to happen. <laughs> that that's funny. That that is my dream too. I would love to go to every park. Um, I was I was in Chicago a year or two ago, and I'm so bummed that I did not get into. I didn't even get to see Wrigley Field. Uh, 
Um, it's it's a hard ticket, and I thought I could get one at the last minute, and that's that that wasn't the case. I couldn't even get a uh, a, a tour, but uh, yeah, I've I visited Fenway, and that was like a life changing experience. Um, I'm I'm a I'm a big fan of uh, baseball parks, so I would love to go to every park. Yeah, I've only been to a handful. Uh, I grew up in Michigan, uh, even though I was born in Ohio, and I currently live in Ohio. So a lot of my time of my childhood was spent in Michigan. So I've been to Old Tiger Stadium. I've been to Comerica Park. Of course, I've been to Progressive Field here. And last year, uh, I made my first far away trip, I guess. Not really that far away, but went to New York to go see uh, City Field and uh, where the Mets play. Oh, nice. Yes. Um, I, I caught a game in uh, Yankee Stadium and a little disappointing. Um, I, I Maybe I was bummed because like the, the big thing about Yankee Stadium is that like hall of, you know, all their plaques and legends and stuff. And I wasn't able to see that. But it's it wasn't that. Yeah, it was just it was it was OK. It was just OK. I've heard a lot of people say the new Yankee Stadium's not great. It just feels stale and very uh, exactly. manufactured compared to the old one, where it just had all this allure and all this history and all the you know the ghosts of Yankee Stadium and stuff like that. Exactly. It was just it's it was just there. It was just yeah. It was just it was just an average experience. Yeah, and uh, hopefully baseball does return. Hopefully I can make a trip out to PNC because that's definitely one of the ones I want to go to. Because especially it's not that far away from Cleveland. It's only a couple hours, so. It, it ticks me off. I think the the Indians and Pirates should play every year. Um, I know the Indians have that when they do that quote unquote rivalry games. I think they have them with the Reds or something like that, which makes sense. But mm-hmm. um, you know, I mean, Pittsburgh and Cleveland is just a natural rivalry, and I think the Indians and Pirates should play each other every year because it's always it always seems like a pretty um, competitive uh, atmosphere when those team those two teams get together. Yeah, it's 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 definitely interesting that they don't play and for some reason the pirates get stuck playing the the tigers every single year and it just yeah. it seems like a, a weird i guess it's because they're trying to keep the battle of ohio thing you know with the indians and the reds but pirates and tigers it doesn't really seem like it's that much of a of a leap or you know that much of a connection no the pirates get screwed in that because yeah, I mean, there is no really the the rivalry should be. I mean, if you want to keep it in state, it should be Pirates and Phillies. Um, you know, that's you know, um, if you ask if you ask any Pittsburgh sports fan, who do you hate more, Cleveland or Philadelphia in terms of sports? I think you might get a 50 50 split. Um, I mean, maybe some of them will say Washington because of the Capitals or maybe we'll say Baltimore because of the Ravens. But really, there's and that's 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 another thing that ticked me off is like I, you know, I'm kind of old and I grew up hating the Browns. And then like a lot of people, a lot of newer people, um, they grew up kind of like thinking the Browns as a joke because the Browns haven't been competitive for a while. So it's like, no, we need to go back to hating each other. And we definitely went back to hating each other last year. <laughs> that, that definitely happened. Uh, you know, just cause Ugh. it's, it's, it's so close to each other. It seems like there needs to be like a little bit of that, that natural rivalry. And I don't know if you saw the ridiculous three team division thing for baseball, but for some reason, the Pirates get thrown out of the Central Division and into the East. And I, I get that some of those places are closer, but wouldn't it make sense for the Pirates to stay with their natural division teams? 
It's it's weird because I grew up with the Pirates in the Eastern Division with the Mets, and actually the Cubs were in that division too. It was it was uh, Mets, Phillies, Pirates, Cubs, uh, Expos, and stuff. So I mean, it's it, it's weird that yeah, you know, sometimes this, the the Pirates get placed in you know the Eastern part. Sometimes they get placed in the quote unquote Central. Um, so I mean, I'm okay either way. Um, I have a lot of hatred for the Reds too, and the Cubs and the Cardinals. So I mean, I'm I'm okay. I have I have a lot of hate for teams. So um, you know, in, wherever I, I still don't like the Mets or the Phillies. So wherever they want to stick them, that's fine. Um, I just hope there is baseball. It just uh, it's, it's a crazy situation. Yeah, it, it would be interesting to see them play with these weird division alignments. You know, considering. Two teams are swapped. The Pirates and the Braves are swapped from their divisions because uh, the Braves get inser- inserted into the Central Division. But as you mm. mentioned, the Pirates used to be uh, in the same division as a lot of those teams. So I guess there's some of that still there, or some of it that still exists. But you know, maybe for you know younger people or modern baseball fans, it doesn't really have that same kind of uh, feeling behind it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this this whole year is just going to be crazy. Um, I, I, you know, who knows how it's all going to shake out? Uh, you know, whether there is going to be games and there's going to there's going to be people in the stands or not or whatever they decide to do It's just going to be a crazy year. And hopefully, we get something. You know, um, now Pittsburgh doesn't have a professional basketball team. Do you pay attention to basketball, or is it just kind of like? I'm good. <laughs> um, let me put it this way. I uh, I was a huge Bulls fan in the 80s, and that's because of Michael Jordan. Got it. And uh, I, seeing that Last Dance documentary is uh, – it's my favorite thing on Sunday. It's my it's my highlight of the week now because it takes me back to all those times and you know the it's just so well done that documentary. It takes you back to the '90s and '80s and stuff, and it's just so it's really well done. So I was a big Bulls fan. Um, I was a little bit of a of a Cavs fan when when LeBron was there. Uh, it's funny. I have a lot of family in Youngstown mm-hmm. and. Um, it's, it's, it's amazing how they never heard of uh, basketball. And then when LeBron, um, joined the Cavs, all of a sudden they were, they were uh, basketball fans. So, uh, funny how that worked out, but, um, yeah, I, I mean, I pay attention a little bit, but really, uh, yeah, the, like the, you know, the eighties and nineties with the bulls, that was, that was my thing. Yeah. So not really like a solid rooting interest. Now maybe you'll watch a, a game if it's on, if it's an intriguing matchup. Uh, you know, it's a kind of a similar situation that I think a lot of people have in uh, the Cleveland area when it comes to professional hockey. O- only because the Barons were a thing for such a short period of time, and then there was nothing, and various minor league teams and the Blue Jackets came in Columbus. Right, right. I mean, if there was an NBA team in Pittsburgh, we would be interested. But when when it's when you don't have that, uh, when you don't have a, a a team in your city, it it it's not that easy to uh, have a rooting interest yeah that's something that uh i had to i guess uh that i worked through i guess if you want to put it that way only because my family's from ohio and it was only the barons when they were you know growing up and then it was nothing and so when i was growing up hockey wasn't a part of my life so i really didn't pay attention to it it wasn't until i moved out of michigan away from the red wings fans and moved to ohio that i gave it a legitimate chance uh only because my experience with red wings fans was just 
not great, mostly because they were they were so fanatical about their team. Probably similar in fashion to how uh, Steelers fans are in the Pittsburgh area, where they live and breathe the Steelers. They lived and breathe the Red Wings in Detroit. You know, the day after a game, if the Steelers win, it affects people's moods so bad. Um, if the Steelers win, people are happy. Everybody, everybody is in a good mood. But when the Steelers lose, it's like the entire town is angry and in a bad mood. And it, it's 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 dumb to let you know to let your your mood and your your psyche be affected by you know something like that. But it's definitely the case. It is it's the entire mood of a, of a town is affected by whether the team wins or loses. Yeah, and that's that's kind of. Uh... <laughs> It's kind of an in- interesting way that sports impacts lives of, you know, just every ordinary, you know, ordinary everyday people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's there's good things about it. There's not so good things about it. But, uh, yeah, it really, you know, when your team wins and, you know, especially if it wins a championship or something like that, you know, it, it, it brings everybody together and everybody it's it's a great experience. And, you know, when they have a heartbreaking loss, it's something you remember for a long time. And you know, uh, those in both of our cities are always rooting for that that awesome win. But it seems like uh, when it comes to football, only one of our cities are uh, happy at the end of the day. That's right. Yeah.